Welcome to another episode of Sing Second Sports. I am John Schofield, former PAO at the U.S. Naval Academy, joined by my co-host Ward Carroll, class of 82, and our special guest, uh, as always, Bill Wagner of the Annapolis Capitol, off of furlough. Thanks a lot, Tribune Company. Um, So, (laughs) hey, uh, obviously, a lot going on in the sports world. You look at the standings today, the Baltimore Orioles are two and one. Basically, that means they're about to win the World Series is going to be a special season. But then, oops, uh, their series against the Marlins looks like it's in jeopardy because, you know, like 14 of the Marlins have COVID. We talked to Jim Barry today, um, our our guest, uh, the Associate Athletic Director for Sports Medicine, about COVID. Um, This particular set of current events in baseball leaves a lot of people, um, you know, it basically gives them pause. It certainly gives me pause uh, about whether there will be a rest of the Major League Baseball season. Um, So, you know, I not really not really sure. You know, we've been glass half emptying and glass half fulling for uh, about two months now about COVID and what it means for not only the Naval Academy football season but the fall sports season with the Patriot League and then pro sports. So, you know, th- this latest this latest batch of infections in in Major League Baseball, you know, Wags and Ward, what, what do you, what do you think it it means for the future of not only amateur sports but pro sports? Well, I said on a previous pod that this is what we're going to deal with. There's going to be infections. It's a contagious disease, and as much precaution as you take, you cannot, you know, isolate everyone to the point where they're not in contact with folks who could potentially give them the virus. So you just got to handle it as you do. I'm sure Jim is going to tell us when he gets on about the plan for when football players get the virus, they're going to be isolated. They're going to be quarantined and hopefully the rest of the team can move forward uh, with activity without those who are infected. But, you know, I think major league baseball is finding out quickly the way it works and, and two series have been affected because The Marlins were in the Philadelphia Phillies visiting clubhouse. So now the incoming team, the New York Yankees, doesn't want to be in that clubhouse. And what I read today was that it is spread much more easily in a confined environment, exactly like a clubhouse. They don't think there's a high probability that members of the Marlins were giving it to the Phillies out on the field in the open air. Um, But we'll see if any of the Phillies test positive. But – this is the world we live in. There's going to be infections. And if you want to move forward with sports, you're just going to have to live with it, deal with it, and move forward. Ward? Yeah, I think you framed it just right, Wags. The question or the learnings that we're seeing here in Major League Baseball can be leveraged for the NFL and, and, and certainly college football going forward. The things we're learning is you create a bubble and, and you – believe that with your protocols that bubble is uh, is able to be maintained and what we're learning is it's not and and we'll find out as they do the CSI about how did the Marlins uh, wind up positive did they violate protocols or you know was there some external 
agency, we've created this new language about things called vector limiting, which is limiting the number of outside agencies that can come in and out of the bubble. So, you know, this is, as you've said, John, the new normal. And instead of just sitting in our homes and doing nothing, we have to sort of be forward leaning here and, 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 and press the envelope insofar as we're not hazarding people, you know, in, in, in a, in with, with uh, you know, life and death. Um, and again, these learnings will be leveraged, not just in sports, but in any group. And uh, I know we, we look forward to talking to the superintendent. And so it, it'll be interesting to see what the learnings have been around plebe summer that will be leveraged. For instance, today, the firsties came back. And, uh, you know, as you've said, both, both Wags and John, the people will show up positive. You can follow on. This is what we've heard from all kinds of, uh, of uh, celebrities and and sports stars who, who tested positive. I was doing all the right things and then I was positive. Um, and so people will show up positive. The question becomes, what is the calculus about stopping something? What is the tripwire? What percentage of any given population showing up positive causes the entire evolution to stop? Whether that's academics for the brigade, plebe summer, or the major league baseball season. And so that's what we don't know. Uh, in the meantime, I think it's right that, you know, as you've said, Wags, you sideline the, the infected parties, let them get well, and everybody else presses on. There's some question about, do you reach deep into the AAA and AA system to bring people up? And I've seen some discussions on social media about integrity of the game, if you do that. To that, those purists, I say, welcome to 2020 and get a grip. Um, and so this is all... It's all new learnings. And as you've said, John, I look forward to hearing what uh, Jim has to say about this. I'll just interject real quick. We should not fail to mention that closer to home, there was a bubble. Major League Lacrosse held a tournament at Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium. And from what I understand, they ran their bubble pretty darn well. They, players were either at the Weston Hotel or Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium. They dressed at the hotel. They were bused to the stadium. And – when they brought in some 280 people originally, none tested positive. But at the very end of the tournament, right before the semifinals, four members of the Bayhawks, or three, I think, actually, three members of the Chesapeake Bayhawks tested positive. They had to cancel the semifinals. They forwarded two teams automatically into the championship game. Um, it, but, you know, what could you do? They somehow, some way, players encountered – someone with the virus, even though they were supposedly within the bubble. Well, how long did the tournament last end-to-end, Wags? It was nine total days. They had two days of training camp and one full week of play. Um, and the incident occurred on Friday night, Saturday morning, is when they finally had a positive test. And uh, they had to go to Plan B, which basically the Bayhawks were – eliminated from the tournament. I don't know quite how they chose another team to also be eliminated, even though they didn't have any uh, positive tests. So they basically picked two teams to be in the championship, skipped the semifinals, and went to the championship. So this, this reveals the things we don't know about COVID-19. 
which is, okay, if, if, if day 10 I, I show up to the West and I'm tested, I test negative. And then subsequent to that, I'm now positive. So does that mean or could it mean that I was, I had the virus, but it didn't reveal itself, you know, on the outset? And, and, or does this mean that I had to have come in contact with the virus during the course of play? This is what we don't know. Right. So we talk about testing and we talk about all the other things and, and the way forward is, is, you know, expanding testing. But I, I still think we don't know fully uh, how COVID-19 behaves. And that's why it's good. We're talking to a medical professional today. So um, we are going to go to break, but I'll, you know, as we, um, as we go into that break, I will, uh, I will emphasize that um, I actually went through the Anne Arundel County Department of Health, you know, car line on Truman Parkway, got my COVID test, got my results back in like six days. It was negative, um, you know, probably because I'm not playing lacrosse or baseball. We're just out there playing golf. So open air, um, just wanted to get a golf reference in for stress. So um, we are going to go to break. Uh, we're going to have a great conversation um, with Jim Barry um, of the Naval Academy Athletic Association right after this. Um, a quick reminder that Sing Second Sports, this podcast, is brought to you by Mills Fine Wine and Liquor down in uh, City Dock in Annapolis, um, run, operated, and owned uh, by two 1994 Naval Academy grads, Jerry and Jen Donahoe. If you need delivery at home because of COVID, if you just need delivery at home or to your boat because it's convenient, or if you just need a really good product from Naval Academy grads, consider Mills Fine Wine and Liquor. Stick with us after this break. We will talk to Jim Barry of the Naval Academy Athletic Association. This is Sing Second Sports. You're listening to Sing Second Sports with John Schofield, Ward Carroll, and special guest Bill Wagner of the Annapolis Capitol. If you like what you hear, hit like below and share with your classmates and friends. Let us know how we're doing. Hit us up on Twitter at We Sing Second. That's at We Sing Second. Now back to the pod. And we're back from the break. Thanks for sticking with us. Uh, we are really happy, uh, as we talked about in the intro segment, to be joined uh, by Jim Barry. He is in his 16th year at the Naval Academy and is fourth as the Associate Athletic Director for Sports Medicine. Kind of an important subject right now based on everything we've been talking about. Uh, prior to Navy, Barry earned his Master of Arts in Sport and Recreation Management from Kent State University. That was in 2004. Uh, prior to that, from June 2001 to May 2002, he was uh, an intern with the Cleveland Browns of the National Football League. Uh, during that time, a certain gentleman named Tim Couch, number two in your program, number one in your heart, was the uh, quarterback for the Cleveland Browns, so maybe we can get some, some cool stories about that. Uh, Jim is an Ohio native. He went to the Ohio State University uh, he graduated in 2001, uh, where I hear Craig Krenzel barely beat him out as the starting quarterback. Um, Jim Barry, thank you so much for joining us at a time um, you know, of, of you know, a, a lot of worry and concern, not just from the administration, but from parents, from athletes. Uh, let me just start it off. You know, how, how are you handling this whole thing? Uh, well, first of all, guys, thanks a lot for uh, having me on. Uh, your podcast. Greatly appreciate it. And I could tell you some great stories about Tim Couch and, and Ty Detmer. 
those two guys were uh, – had a bunch of interesting quarterbacks when I was an intern, and, and Kelly Holcomb was the other backup. So uh, lots of Southern draws going on in that training room. So uh, how am I holding up overall? You know what? We're doing good. Uh, I tell you that uh, for about 14 to 16 weeks, uh, we've had a task force or group of people that have been consistently meeting – about how to get uh, things moving forward, not only from athletics, but, you know, first and foremost uh, with our, our academy community. Uh, we've had uh, Dr. Lance LeClaire, uh, who's our head team physician, uh, involved with that. He's also a commander in the Navy. Uh, Dr. Rich Quattrone, who is also another one of our team physicians and, and former brigade medical officer. And then we're also lucky to have a person by the name of Dr. John Wilkins, who is 23 years active duty, graduated from the academy, and is our orthopedic consultant associated with Johns Hopkins. Uh, so we've had a lot of people involved with uh, overall looking at some of the stuff I've written, uh, overall looking at some of the policies that we've all shared together. There's a lot of people that have long uh, uh you know, experience in the world of sports medicine and have a lot of uh, connections throughout also Major League Baseball and, and just collegiate sports in general. So, you know, this has been a huge team endeavor in order to get where we are uh, today. Yeah, so before I kick it over to Ward, um, I, I can tell you that this left shoulder right here, uh, this is an audio medium, uh, so that doesn't really help people, but this left shoulder was repaired by Lance Le LeClaire. He's also my neighbor. Uh, so hopefully we can get him and, and all of his Notre Dame fanaticism onto the pod before the Notre Dame game. Um, but in the intro segment, you know, we were talking about, you know, the latest current events and what's happening in baseball. Um, has that given you a, another data point or given you any pause about uh, the resumption of sports, be it, uh, any fall sport, uh, Patriot League or no Patriot League, football against Notre Dame or football against whomever, you know, what, what has the last 24 to 48 hours done to better inform you and your subject matter expertise? Well, I think it goes back to maybe one of the things that you guys were already talking about. Uh, you know, this, this is a novel coronavirus. You know, it's something that we know some some interesting aspects of, but it's still a new virus that we're learning how to uh, dance with, if you will. Uh, you know, in the last 24 hours, you, you see teams that have, quote unquote, been in a bubble. But let's also go back to what we have seen with the NBA, where they've had a couple people as well test positive, and we know that they broke their bubble. Uh, you know, I, I think we have a unique situation here with the academy uh, that our kids are uh, truly locked in. Uh, they're staying in Bancroft Hall. Navy Medicine has a great plan of, of how to uh, bring people back onto the yard and, and be tested multiple times. And also on top of that, have a surveillance program that allows us to continue on with what we need to do, whether it be plebe summer or uh, collegiate athletics. Uh, the one thing I do keep in mind, obviously, is we, we look at uh, – the other, other teams that we may face, uh, you know, obviously we have some teams in Florida and, and Texas, you know, mainly with football. But when you look at soccer as well, we, we kind of key in on some of those teams that they may be looking to play, which are our local teams. So whether that's keeping up to date on how counties look in Maryland or how certain 
uh, you miss, municipalities are doing in Philadelphia or, or Pennsylvania, if you will. Uh, those are all things that we're keeping, keeping track of as we move forward. The biggest thing that I think we always have to keep in mind is another talking point that you guys discussed, which is someone's going to uh, catch the virus at some point. It's how you handle those, those people that test positive or develop symptoms. You know, how do you isolate them? How do you follow the CDC and local public health guidance? And if you trust in those things that have been provided by us, uh, then we should have uh, the best outcomes that we can possibly have. So Jim, this is Ward. Let, let's go back to last spring. Uh, so let's say mid to late May. Uh, is, is that about the time that this task force was, uh, was formed? I probably took a few days off in, in March and started working on uh, policies and we developed our, our group probably in mid-April knowing that we would have to answer questions quickly. Right, so the soup has these questions. The soup is also um, attitudinally wants to be forward-leaning um, in terms of the mission of the Naval Academy. And that has, as you've said, there are some advantages to the brigade as a population in terms of behavior, compliance with the protocols. Because um, I think the, even the Major League Baseball example may reveal a, a, an absence of discipline with respect to that. But when you tell the brigade there's no liberty, that, that's kind of it, let's just say, for the most part. Um, so what we knew about COVID-19 at that time and your overarching guidance that I, I need to complete the mission of the Naval Academy, therefore I need people to be present. How did that inform your approach to how are you going to make it work? And then the other part of my question is, and you know this, that the, the learnings here can, can be leveraged nationwide, right? I mean, the Naval Academy is learning things that, that you know, other organizations, Ford Motor Company and uh, chambers of commerce nationwide can use to, uh, to, to press on in this new normal. So what, have, so what are some of those things that, that either surprised you or you've learned? Uh, you know, I, I, would, I would go back to say that uh, the leadership that we have on the yard from our athletic director, Chuck Gledchuk, to our Navy medicine and uh, leadership, and then the other aspect of just the academy as a whole, we have really worked hand in hand throughout this process. Uh, you know, as questions came up, uh, you know, they get passed down to us and then we answer our questions. And then as we have questions, they get passed up to the next leadership and maybe through Navy medicine or back to the academy to make sure as a whole that as our community comes back and goes through their, uh, you know, 14 day uh, quarantine during testing, uh, that we provide a safe uh, communal area, if you will. Uh, you know, we, we've obviously coordinated with when certain sports came back, uh, you know, with Leatherneck tied into that as well. There's definitely military training that's still going on this summer. Uh, we coordinated our other sports coming back with how they were going to bring Glebe summer back in and, and unfold that. So this has really been an, an extreme partnership on, on how do we safely return people from the vast uh, you know, parts of the United States in a safe manner. Uh, 
and so far, I, I mean, I don't, I don't have all of the data, but uh, from what I can tell, things are, are going well from all points of view. So what, what, what's the key to that? Is it testing? Um, what, what, if you had to give one most important element to your success, is, would you say it's the frequent testing? Uh, how, so, how, do you, how do you make it work? So I, yeah, I would say two things. It, it, it's definitely the testing. I think it's the 14 day quarantine and then the aspect of, of really creating a true bubble at our institution. Uh, I think that's, that's going to be the key to success for, for the Academy. Jim, I'll jump in here. Um, obviously at the moment, fall sports at the Naval Academy, there's kind of two dynamics, the Olympic sports, if you will, soccer, um, volleyball, They've learned that they're not going to have a Patriot League season. Uh, it now appears that all those sports will have a limited season. We don't know how many games they're going to get. My guess is they're going to be fortunate to play a handful of games across the board in those sports. In football, the goal as we sit here today is to play a full schedule of 11 games. We already know Lafayette is out and it's not been announced that Navy's found a replacement for that. So now Navy's at an 11-game schedule and the goal is try to get Navy to the end of an 11-game schedule, concluding with Army, and then maybe hopefully having a bowl game if those are allowed in the climate. So how do you do that? I mean, and is one of the questions I had, considering how important it is to the entire academy, and in particular the Naval Academy Athletic Association for football to succeed, um, do you isolate football players even more from the, within the brigade to try to improve the chance that they don't have an outbreak? So that's a, that's a great question. Uh, you know, first and foremost, you have to look at everyone involved with, with our uh, student athletes in our program. Uh, you know, the, the uh, task force that has been put together by the AAC will be coming out with their, with their guidance, as well as the NCAA keeps passing out more guidance as well. So that includes routine testing uh, to be done. You know, it really keys in on key and essential personnel that are associated with your program. So, you know, we continue to talk about a bubble, how many people really reside in that bubble. Uh, that's a, another key factor that you have. Uh, so, you know, you, you do look at an 11-12 game uh, season. We look at that with optimism. Uh, and you kind of have to key in on, on the guidance that's already been provided to you uh, by CDC, local public health guidance, and of course, NCAA and, and AAC guidance. Uh, and then you sit down and, and you have those discussions even with your team physicians uh, to determine whether these are things that uh, uh, are, are prudent tasks and, and obviously uh, – you know, feasible to get done. And I think the plans that, that people have kind of put forth with guidance uh, seem to be looking okay at this point. So, Jim, it's been a few weeks since we talked to Chet. He went into some detail about how Navy Notre Dame would happen. Um, and he mentioned that there was some expectation that there would be fans in the stands. Um, I, I think there's been a roaring silence since then. Um, I'm not hearing anything in, in alumni circles about tailgaters or, hey, make sure of this and that and that sort of thing. I haven't seen anything from the Alumni Association about 
you know, ticket prices or anything. And, and uh, um, so A, is it still tracking? And then B, um, what would your recommendation be for the amount of fans and would the brigade, I mean, would they march over as they normally do and, and populate the stands as they normally do, or would that be uh, adjusted as well? And I fully allow that this may be not in your lane, um, but I'm going to ask you the question all the same. It's a great question. And obviously you're right too. Those are, those are definitely questions that are not on my lane. I can tell you right now at, at uh, whatever time it is on the 27th of July, you know, everything's pointing towards a, a game against Notre Dame. Uh, and that's how I feel. I know that's how our, our team feels. I, you know, I obviously I'm, I'm just like you guys. We, we don't necessarily know, you know, date, time or, or, or whatever at this point. But I do know that, that uh, we're working towards that goal. Now, as far as fans in the stands, you know, that is definitely something that, that uh, you know, our, our leadership is in constant contact with the state of Maryland and their public health department to uh, stay updated on, on their protocols and procedures that will need to be in place for uh, the hosting of, of games. There, there's definitely a lot of discussion that, that goes on uh, behind the scenes to ensure that, that what is going on with, with, uh, you know, hosting of games and, and things of that nature are, are, uh, done appropriately. Hey Jim, I want to go back to the quote unquote bubble. It, it's Navy, the Naval Academy can create a bubble for the midshipmen, which includes athletes, football players. The one element that I wonder about is the support staff, the coaches and the support staff. You all are not living at the Naval Academy. You, at the end of the day, you all leave and go home. And to me, that's the obvious issue is that, you know, Coach Niamatololo goes home and interacts with his wife and maybe his children. You go and I mean, that's where you could have slip-ups. I, I would imagine you all have, have got to find a way to manage that. I don't know if you – or doing trainings with people, telling them how they need to act when they're not on the Naval Academy grounds so they don't bring the virus back with them into the bubble? You know you know what I'm talking about. Bill, yeah, you, you bring up a great point. You know, the, the term bubble is really a horrible term in collegiate athletics anyways. Uh, because you know even at other institutions where kids may be staying at their uh, uh, apartment and staff such as your sports staff are going home on a consistent basis. But one of the things that we have really done since probably mid-May is constantly take the information that is being put out from the CDC and educating our coaches right from the get-go. Uh, and guys, things change on a, on a daily basis, if not an hourly basis. Uh, I know things change on a weekly basis. Uh, but one of the things that's been my drive driving point to our coaching staff with football, but also the other 16 athletic trainers that assist our sports medicine staff with our other varsity sports is we have to get in front of and just educate our coaches and educate our midshipmen as well before they even got here. Uh, this is a team effort. We all realize that. Uh, and, uh, that's the best way that we, we get to the end result of, of playing sports is keeping, keeping yourself safe by staying educated and up on current 
uh, information that's being processed out. So, Jim, I'll, I'll kind of piggyback off of Ward's uh, line of questioning, which is going to drive you completely out of your lane. Um, you know, say you're Anthony Fauci right now, um, hoping that you throw a ceremonial first pitch a little bit better than he does. What, you know, from a strategic perspective, um, not just applicable to the Naval Academy, if you had to predict how this entire thing plays out globally, uh, you know, not just, not just in Annapolis, not just uh, for sports, not just in the U.S., you know, evaluating everything you've heard on the task force, monitoring it the way you have, um, you know, for months now, how do you see this playing out? You know, if you had to put on your, you know, your predictive hat, you know, what, what do you think, what do you think is, is going to happen and how long do you think it's going to take us globally to pull out of this tailspin? You know, if I had a crystal ball, it's kind of like when coach Nehemiah asked me, uh, Hey, when's this ankle sprain going to be back? There's just no way I can tell you that. You know, you take it one day at a time, you provide the treatments that you can, and hopefully you return the person back to the field as safely uh, uh, as you can to, to get them back and playing. Uh, you're right. I mean, we've been monitoring this thing for a while. Uh, we continue to monitor it. We see our friends and colleagues that are dealing with it throughout the United States and, and – uh, I don't know how this is all going to, all going to turn out. Uh, that's my two cents. <laughs> you know, it's just, you, you, yeah. so one thing that uh, I will say is I, I was a history major at Ohio state. So when this all, all kind of popped up, I just kind of brought up uh, to everybody else too. Like we have to make sure that uh, we look at history. You know, you had the uh, pandemic in 1918, 1919 and, and Scott Schrossmeyer uh, pulled up a photo. I think it was of army Navy still being played and people were wearing masks in the stands. So if you look at history, you know, we, we prevailed then. And I, I have a, a feeling that uh, Americans will do what we always do and we'll prevail and get through this as well. Really, really appreciate your perspective on this. Um, and I know that I speak for WAGS and Ward when I say, you know, thank you for what you do uh, for the brigade. Um, for the athletes, for the coaches. Um, like you said, I, I think the Naval Academy is a special place. No disrespect to any other institution out there. They probably all have task forces doing their thing. Um, but, you know, I, I think, you know, my, my, my suspicion is that we're applying just a tad bit more rigor to this. And, you know, it's just because of the nature of what a service academy does. So thank you for what you do. Guys, thank you for having me. And, and, uh, Greatly appreciate your time and, and uh, podcast today and, and kind of piggyback on what you said. Like we, we do have a special group of kids here, no doubt. And they are doing what we ask of them. And, and that's what also makes you feel when you come to work uh, each day, how am I going to help protect them day in and day out? So uh, appreciate your time and uh, have a, uh, have a great day. All right. OH. I O. <laughs> All right. Hey, that was uh, Jim Barry. Um, you know, many thanks to him for joining us again. Uh, he is the Associate Athletic Director for Sports Medicine and obviously a very busy guy. So thanks to him and to Strass for uh, making him available on very short notice today uh, to talk about kind of breaking news that's affecting sports uh, writ large. So 
Uh, we're going to head to break. Um, when we come back, Wags, Ward, and I will uh, will kind of conclude this whole thing, break it down, and uh, and and send it out. So stick with us. This is thing second. If you're interested in sponsoring the podcast, please shoot us a DM at We Sing Second. That's at We Sing Second. There are a number of national and local sponsorships still available. All right, we're back. Um, awesome, awesome segment there uh, with Jim Barry of the Naval Academy Athletic Association. Um, really good info. I, I, I won't, I won't belabor that too much. You know, I'll kind of kick it to to Wags. Um, you know, what, what do what do you think the real takeaway is there? Um, and you know, as we were talking to Jim a little bit offline after his interview, you know, it, what is yeah, I was trying to talk to him about, yes, we, we approach this podcast locally, but you, you can't help but listen to, to professionals and experts like, like Jim and, and not think of coronavirus globally and, and have your, your feeling of dread renewed. Um, from your perspective as a journalist, what's the real story here? Well, first of all, I'll say that the Naval Academy is very fortunate to have seasoned professionals like a Jim Barry and all the other medical personnel he mentioned. I know all these folks and they are, they are very, very good medical people. And I am certain that the Naval Academy has the highest level of information and knowledge to try to deal with this as best they can. Um, I'm planning to talk with Jim uh, myself uh, on the phone a little more in depth about this issue. And obviously football is the big story now. You know, we, go, we are now in Navy football season as we speak. Practice begins next week. The players have been doing strength and conditioning now for a few weeks. And, you know, I'd like to try to talk to Jim a little more closely about how they're going to handle it. How often are they testing players? They have three times a week, twice a week. Do they only test if there's uh, someone shows symptoms? Are they doing temperature checks? All that. Uh, try to dial down a little more on how they're monitoring individual players. And then secondly, what is the protocol if a couple players test positive. How are they isolated, quarantined? How do you prevent this from happening? What happened to the Marlins? Obviously, the Marlins got it out of hand. They didn't. Somebody got it first, and it spread like wildfire through their clubhouse, and that's the same situation Navy's in. They got a football locker room. Those guys are in there every day and uh, before and after practice, and it apparently is a breeding ground for the spread of the virus. So, you know, how do you – are they taking special precautions with that? So I, I'm going to talk to Jim a little more in depth about some of the specifics. I know Department of Defense rightfully and understandably has rules on privacy, and, and they're not going to get too in-depth in telling us everything that's going on. And we will not know how many athletes test positive. We will never hear names. I guess you could presume it if we have a game and players are suddenly not available – you could maybe presume that it's a COVID test, but it could just be an injury. So who knows? Uh, but yeah, if the Navy fans are thinking we're going to get specific numbers and names of positive tests for Navy athletes, it's not going to happen. So I was heartened by Jim's tone. Um, I think it's obvious that he's not totally freaked out by the circumstance. Um, so that's the good news. Um, the others category was in the answer of we're going to have a Navy Notre Dame game or we intend to have a Navy Notre Dame game. We're just not sure when it's going to be. 
Um, so within that lives a lot of the unknowns that we're asking about and that we ask him about. Um, so we'll keep our eyes on, on those details. Um, in the meantime, you know, hats off to the task force. Uh, I did not know that they had convened that task force in mid-March. That strikes me as they were way ahead of presaging that this could be an issue. Um, maybe we didn't know in mid-March, I would say for sure we didn't know the degree that this pandemic would be affecting our lives now and, and ongoing. And I thought your question at the end, John, was right on. Um, you know, how, tell me how this ends. And uh, he said he doesn't know, which is a fair answer, you know. But I, I, I'm calmed a little bit by Jim's tone. And like Wag said, I, I'm heartened that we have the best people on, on the case, not just for the, the football team, but for the brigade at large, you know, as an alum and a, a guy who works with the brigade, um, I, I, I'm really heartened by that fact. Yeah, not, not to get too crazy with, you know, my, my plaudits for the Naval Academy or the athletes, but you have to think of, you know, the level of culpability felt by other athletes out there when they are patient zero who brings it into their locker room, like the Lou Williams of, of the LA Clippers uh, and, and whoever was the first guy to bring it into the, um, the Miami Marlins locker room. And, you know, I can, I, I don't want to speak for our intrepid producer, uh, Chris Cervello, but he and I had to take a, a trip to Milwaukee for, for our job. And, um, you know, right when I got back, I scheduled a COVID test because I was just, frankly, it, you know, I was out of the bubble, um, you know, that I typically keep. And, and I didn't want to be patient zero for my 14 year old or my 16 year old or any of my family or any of my friends or any of you guys on the golf course. So, you know, it, it, it you know, I think the, the thing here is that we, we have to expect people to take a certain amount of guilt and responsibility. Like, man, I don't want to be the guy or the gal who, who messes this up and brings in this infection and causes a season to get, uh, canceled. You know, that's on the low end of the spectrum of importance. The high end of the spectrum of importance is I don't want to be the guy or gal who gets a friend of mine sick and possibly cost that person their life. So, you know, I, I know that all of the athletes and all the students um, at the Naval Academy are already imbued with that type of responsibility and, and thought process that, that, you know, that ship over self type of mentality. So hopefully uh, they can remain, um, you know, clean of this. So we'll we'll monitor it and go from there. Uh, I would encourage everyone um, to, you know, keep checking the Annapolis Capitol for Wags' story on this and, and his continuing coverage of uh, football season as it as it starts kicking off. On the subject of football, before we close out, I will say that a couple of days ago, awesome picture on Twitter of Malcolm Perry. Uh, who had signed his uh, contract with the Miami Dolphins, uh, the average per year, the APY uh, that he will earn uh, over the course of 2020 through 2023 is $842,000, $842,623. Uh, that's, you know, fully guaranteed money, 75K, uh, which not a lot of second lieutenants are making. So, Congrats to him. And as he signed that contract, what was he wearing? A Men of Ken t-shirt. So uh, hats off and congrats to Malcolm Perry. 
I'll leave it to you two guys for parting thoughts and then we'll, and then we'll say adios. Anything, anything to add? No, I think we covered it. That this was the right guest at the right time. So uh, really enjoyed this episode. Well, I'll just leave us with one uh, uh, goodbye to shipmate. Uh, Navy lost one of its greatest athletes in its history. Pat Donnelly, who was a halfback on the football team and a great lacrosse player of a Smizer Award winner. He died last week. He'd had Alzheimer's for a long time. I'm going to be talking to Skip Orr and Roger Stallback about their former teammate. But uh, goodbye to Pat Donnelly. Holy cow, Wags, I, I did not know that. Um, that is a significant loss. And certainly, um, as you heard, you know, Carl Tamilevich in the last pod uh, talk about Pat Donnelly. Not only was he a very special player, but a very special man. And uh, hopefully, as, as Wags does his story, I can get him to talk to, uh, to my dad, who, who talked at length um, as I was growing up about, you know, the two guys who absolutely ravaged, uh, my father's university of Maryland lacrosse team. And it was Jimmy Lewis and Pat Donnelly. Um, so I know my dad will take that very hard. Um, I know he doesn't know, uh, but yeah, great point wags, uh, the loss of a really good athlete and a really good Naval Academy graduate. So our, uh, our hearts obviously go out to his family. Um, so not to end on a, on a sour note or a, or a low note, but for Bill Wagner, Ward Carroll, and, and as always, many thanks to our producer, uh, Chris Ravello. I'm John Schofield. Uh, thanks for joining us this week. Again, uh, Sing Second Sports brought to you by Mills Fine Wine and Liquors in downtown Annapolis. Uh, please stop in and see them for, uh, for whatever your beverage needs are. Um, please join us next week. And uh, until then, please wash your hands, wear a mask, and be safe. This is Sing Second Sports. The thoughts and opinions expressed on this pod are our own and don't represent the views of the Naval Academy Athletic Association, the United States Naval Academy, or any organization for that matter. Play-by-play calls from the Navy Radio Network are used in the opening of the show and from time to time will be part of podcast segments. Thank you.